0: As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue, who was possessed by an impure spirit, cried out, "'What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth?' Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority? He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee.
1: If you do have your your Bible there, please do keep it open as we look to to study God's word together. Let's pray as we do that. Father God, we do pray that by your spirit you would lead us and guide us to the Lord Jesus, that we would know him as the King of all, the Lord of all and that we come to see him as who he is, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, whether, you're, whether you're a royalist or not, uh, the whole country will stop very soon. Uh, on May the 6th, on Saturday May the 6th, the King Charles III's coronation will take place, take place at the Westminster Abbey with much uh, pomp and ceremony. During the ceremony, the the King will be crowned uh, alongside Camilla, the Queen Consort, in a display marking and celebrating the coronation and ultimately the authority of the King. The coronation is both a symbolic, it's it's a religiously symbolic moment as King Charles is the head of the Church of England. And it's also symbolically significant in the way that he is also the head of the United Kingdom. That he is the sovereign of the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth. It marks the transfer of title and powers as the king is crowned, he's anointed with oil, and given a scepter marking his recognition as king. In this uh, public ceremony, we see a, a full view, a uh, full, full picture of the authority of the king, that he is the sovereign one. And As we turn to the passage this evening in, in Mark 1, uh, we see that, that Jesus, he, he carries very powerful titles himself. As at the beginning of uh, the Gospel of Mark, there are three titles really uh, that point to Jesus, three titles Uh, speaking of his authority. Firstly, there is the servant of the Lord. When Jesus is baptised in the river, in the river Jordan, and the spirit of the the Lord descends upon him like a dove, it fulfils the words of Isaiah. Isaiah 42, verse 1, where it says, Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, And he will bring justice to the nations. In Jesus' baptism, we see that Jesus takes the title of the servant of the Lord. He is the Lord's servant. Secondly, Jesus takes the title of the Son of God. The Son of God. Again, in Jesus' baptism, as the Spirit descends on Jesus, the Lord declares, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And this really declares Jesus to be the true son of God. This is a title which the people of Israel, that they carried themselves, as it says in Exodus, in the Old Testament, Exodus 4, Exodus 4, 22 to 23. The Lord says to to Moses, he says, Then say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says. Israel is my firstborn son. And I told you, let my son go so that you may worship me. But you refuse to let him go. So I will kill your firstborn son. The Lord Jesus is the true son of God. Where Israel failed to be that, Jesus is fully obedient to that. Where they failed to be the light to the nations, Jesus is the light to the nations. Jesus is Israel reduced to one. So those are the two titles. And lastly, you have the title of the King. Because where King Charles III is, is described as the sovereign, he is really only but a glimmer of the true sovereign king. As again at Jesus' baptism we see the words of Psalm two being fulfilled. When the Lord says in Psalm two, in verse 68, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me and I will become, I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. Because Jesus, he is the Lord's servant. He is the son of God. And crucially, Jesus is the king. Jesus is the king. He's the king because he's called and commissioned by God the Father and he is anointed by God the Holy Spirit. And therefore, as we read in the Gospel of Mark, the kingdom has come near. The kingdom has come near because the king has come. And therefore, he calls everyone everywhere to repent, to turn away from their way of living and turn to him because he is the king. And we see that really throughout uh, Mark, that Jesus is the king. And because he's the king, uh, we should follow him because of who he is. The Lord Jesus, he begins his journey as the king on earth uh, in verse 16. As we're told by Mark, as Jesus walked along, uh, walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. You might have thought perhaps that Jesus, as a Jewish man, he would have gone to the synagogue to call people. He would have gone to, to seek religious people to follow him. But that's not what he does. As Mark tells us, that he saw that they were fishermen, and then he asked them, calls them, come, follow me amazingly Jesus he doesn't call religious people to come and follow him which you might expect but he calls everyday people to come and follow him he calls fishermen to come and follow him as from the start that's what we see in the ministry and life of Jesus we see that he calls everyday people to become his followers to become his disciples as Jesus calls Ordinary people, no matter where you've come from, no matter who you are. And so really, if you're a school teacher, if you're a retired person, if you're a stay-at-home mum or dad, if you're an engineer, if you're a nurse, a carer, a cleaner, a technician, a salesperson, a student at school, a student at university, a doctor, a mechanic, a plumber, whatever you do, Jesus calls you. Everyday people He calls you to follow him. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life, where you might think that you are going in your life. Jesus calls everyday people to follow him. He calls you to follow him. So you don't need to, to sort out your life. He doesn't go to religious people. He goes to everyday people. We don't need to sort out our life to try and then follow Jesus once we're sorted. No, we come to Jesus and he sorts our life out. He will make what is empty and twisted full and straight as we follow Jesus. As he calls each one of us to follow him. I wonder, have you followed him yet? Are you a follower of the king? He promises that as you walk with him, He will send you out. He will call you to to himself and he will send you out to others to tell others the good news that the king has come. And so in that way, it's not really about going to an event. Christianity is not about going to an event. As we heard from James, it is about a relationship. It's not about going to an event and then trying to do your best to live a good life the rest of the week. It's about following a person about following Jesus, having that relationship with the Lord Jesus, that you would know him and talk to him through prayer, hear him through his word and that you would be drawn to him, that your heart and affections would be changed for Jesus as you follow the king, that then you would become fishers, that you would be a fisherman to others looking for others to tell the good news to Because as Jesus calls us, he then calls others, as he says in verse 18 to 20. At once they left their nets and followed him. When they had gone a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Jesus calls Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, and then he goes and calls James and his brother John to follow him. And we see their response, because we're told that at once they left their nets and followed him, because we're told that Jesus called them without delay. When Jesus calls you to follow him, there is a sense of urgency to that call to see that he has a claim on our lives, that he is the king of all things, he is the Lord of all, and that as the Lord of all he calls us to follow him and in that light we are called to to follow him by turning away turning away from our old life, repenting of our old life and turning to the Lord Jesus that's what James and John do because they recognize just who Jesus is Jesus is the king. I suppose it's a little bit like if you are walking down Tame High Street and someone approaches you and they say, Hi, my name's Charlie. I've got big plans for you. All you need to do is just quit your job and come along with me. Maybe you might be tempted to cross the street and walk away. But surely the question would be, that sounds really lovely Charlie, but my question would be, well who exactly are you? Because who they are changes everything. As if the person on the high street isn't a chap called Charlie, but is in fact King Charles III. If he calls you to drop everything and come along with him, would you do that? Wouldn't your response be different? Based on who he is. Because you recognise his authority. He is the king. And as Jesus is the king, he calls us to to stop what we're doing in our lives, to put down our own things, and to follow him. To repent of what we think we should be doing, and follow him entirely. Because Jesus has a claim on our lives. He has that authority. Which means that we might have plans We might have great plans and visions and dreams for our lives But we need to submit them to the king Because as Jesus calls his disciples, James and John They're in a boat Uh, They're in a boat preparing their nets And without delay he called them And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men And followed him as we see, when, when Jesus calls people, he calls them to put down their nets. They're preparing their nets, preparing their nets for the following day's work. They think that, well, Monday follows Tuesday, follows Wednesday, follows Thursday, follows Friday, then the weekend, and then we go on again. But actually, when we follow Jesus, when he calls us to himself, our plans may change. It means that perhaps, if like James and John, we are preparing our nets, that we might actually be called to do something completely different by what the Lord is calling us to do. Maybe, maybe you're a young person and you're planning things in your life, going, you get through the process of getting good grades in school, go to university perhaps, uh, maybe look to, to get married, maybe start a family and so on. Very good things, very good and honourable things to pursue. But maybe the Lord's call in your life might be something different. To put down your fishing nets, as it were, and go and fish for people. Maybe His call in your life may actually be to go and serve the Lord abroad, to go and tell others the good news about Jesus, where nobody knows about Jesus. It might be Perhaps even to, to explore what it might be to be in full-time ministry. To share the gospel with people that don't know anything about the Lord. Those who are lost without him. Maybe if you're older, you might have things which are set in your life. Things which you, you see the trajectory of where things will go. Or maybe the Lord is, putting, is asking you to, to drop your nets. To put down your nets and follow him. It might be to serve the Lord abroad, it might be to go as a missionary, or it could be even things like working less hours in the week, that you'd be able to then pour yourself into the lives of others, be they young or old, that you would really seek to serve the Lord in that way, to walk with Jesus. Maybe as you you think about retirement, you might think about how the Lord is asking you to use your time. Again, it could be that opportunity to invest in a family with people that don't have the wisdom that you have, that you might be an encouragement to them, that that would be mutually encouraging. As when it comes to family, James and John, well, they, they leave their father with the hired hands. It points to the aspect that, that Jesus, he comes first for them. And he really should come first for us as well. The choice between Jesus and family Jesus should always take first place. We love our family, but we love Jesus more. But it also speaks to the element that, that James and John, well, they, they seem to have quite a successful and good thing going on. They had a profitable family business. In fact, it was going so well that they had, a, they had hired hands working for them. So many people out with the family, and so, why would you leave something that is good and fruitful and seems successful and stable and solid? Why would you leave that for something that you don't know, the unknown? I remember when I when I left professional rugby and when I went to uh, to look at going to Italy to become a missionary to share the gospel with the people there. Many people from the rugby club they just turned to me and said, "You are crazy." You're crazy. You're leaving a good thing for what is something that is completely uncertain. You've got something that would lead to a good career and into coaching and so on. And you're leaving that for something that is completely unknown. Why would you do that? The call might be to go on mission, to to drop your nets and to go but it might be for many others just the day to day life taking a stand for the Lord Jesus not following others and what they do what they say, what they believe but following Jesus and what he calls you to do in your life day to day as you follow the call of Jesus because ultimately Jesus is the king and so uh, we should follow him because of who he is and Jesus is the king, so we should, secondly, be amazed at his authority. We should be amazed at his authority. After the call of the disciples, Jesus went and taught people in the synagogue. As we see from verse 21, it tells us, he, uh, they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. And the point we see here is really the the authority of Jesus, the authority of his word. As we see that, that he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. The people were simply amazed at his teaching. Amazed at Jesus' authority. The scribes or the teachers of the law in that day, well, they were just following what the the elders did, the traditions of the elders week to week that had been passed down from generation to generation. However, the words of Jesus, they were not like that because Jesus' words held authority. Not like the religious teachers of the day, but his words were powerful. They truly spoke to the people. And we see that today, don't we, where where the word of God is actually pushed to the side by people who should know better but don't, by so many church leaders who should follow the Word of God, but instead follow traditions or cultural ideas. And some teachers are striving to become relevant, but in so doing become completely irrelevant. Many are, are ministering the, the, the culture of the world rather than the culture of the kingdom. And in fact, when it comes to issues surrounding gender, sexuality, many teachers would appeal to emotion, experience, and culture rather than what God clearly says in his word. And in so doing, they would in fact present themselves to be to be more merciful, to be more compassionate, to be more loving than God himself. And they will all need, each of us as teachers of God's word, will need to answer to the Lord for what we do, for what we say on that final day. As the culture and its ministers present a blessed life, but in the end it leads to death, eternal death. But for those who want to live for Jesus, for him as their king, as their Lord in every area of life. They know that the following God's way it does lead to life. Life and blessing. And it's a costly life, but it does lead to true life. Jesus said, I will give you life in all its fullness. I'll give you life in abundance. Because Jesus' word carries authority. And we see his authority in action from verse 23 to 26. As he tells us, as Mark tells us, just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, "'What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? "'Have you come to destroy us? "'I know who you are, the Holy One of God. "'Be quiet,' said Jesus sternly. "'Come out of him.' "'The impure spirit shook the man violently.' and came out of him with a shriek. In in this episode, we we see that Jesus carries authority over the whole spiritual realm. And the impure spirits are, are not just one, but many. And they identify who Jesus is as they say, Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus calls the impure spirit or impure spirits to come out of the man, and they do. Right then and there, we see the power of Jesus at work. Jesus truly does have power over all the spiritual realm, over every curse, over every demon, over every kind of spirit. I wonder, do you ever think about that in your own life? Do you ever think about the fact that Jesus has authority over the spiritual realm I remember I had a friend in Glasgow who asked me a a couple of times if I had a a member of the family or if I knew someone who had a member of family who had been involved in the Masons over time because he said that in that group they will place a generational curse on you and so he said if, if you have someone in that or you know someone that was in that I want to pray for you today I want to pray that you would you would be released from that day, from from that sort of uh, curse. But I said to him, well, as a believer of Jesus, I have the Holy Spirit dwelling in me, and so there can be no uncleanness, no no curse, no evil spirit that is in me or on me. Jesus abides in me today by His Spirit. And secondly, at the cross, did Jesus not say? It is finished. I spoke to a friend of mine and he said, it is either finished or it's not. Because at the cross, Jesus' work is finished. He defeated sin, Satan, and death. And at the resurrection, in his resurrection, he declared victory over them all. And so as Christians, we need not be afraid of these things. We need not be afraid of curses in any way. They have no power over us. Certainly there is a spiritual realm, but they do do not have power over us as believers today. Jesus has authority. He is the king. And so in that way, it does allow us to get away from that, that idea of fear in that, but it also allows us to get away from Perhaps habits which you hear often in culture that people try and find comfort in things out with themselves. They might say things like oh, touch wood or cross my fingers. What are they saying in that? They're looking for comfort. They're looking for control in something outside themselves. Not in the Lord, but in the universe in some way. But we need to see actually that the Lord Jesus, he has authority over everything. He is in control. He's the king. He reigns in heaven even today. We can rest in that. Because as we see in this, this episode, when the people saw that who Jesus was and what he did, Mark tells us in verse 27 to 28, he says, the people were so amazed that they asked each other, What is this, a new teaching and with authority? He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. And news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. The people were amazed. They're amazed at Jesus. They're amazed at what he he does. They're amazed at his authority. And as a result, news about him spread. Because Jesus came to proclaim good news. The good news that the kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom has come near because the king has come. The news of Jesus spread. It spread that he is the one who comes to bring cleansing and healing. He's the one who comes as the king to bring light to the darkness. To bring purity to where there is Uh, dirt, dirt and filth and uncleanness that's all a symbol, symbolic of sin because all of us, each of us have turned away from the Lord Jesus we have all sinned and as a result we deserve the Lord's judgment for that, for our sin, but the Lord Jesus he came as the king of glory to cleanse us of all of that that he in his death and in his resurrection and ascension to heaven gives us his spirit, that we would know the Lord's presence by his spirit today. That he would dwell with us, all because of what the Lord Jesus has done for us. And so the the invitation for each of us is to follow Jesus. The element of repentance and the element of following is a continual process. It's not just a, a step, a first step but an ongoing journey with the Lord Jesus, that we would walk with him, that we would recognize him as the king who has authority in every area of our lives. I wonder, do we do we think about that ourselves? Do we recognize him as the king of our lives, as the king of our hearts, that it would motivate us to set aside our lives for him, that we would follow him whatever the cost?